Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Scott Wurzbacher. And today we're going to talk about soul seeking, second chances, and success. As today's very special guest tells us, we'll find these things through a little adventure as life's antidote. I am so excited to have with us Shelby Stanger, a native of San Diego, California, and creator of the podcast Wild Ideas Worth Living which she sold to REI Co-op Studios and continues to host. She has interviewed some incredible adventurers and it is worth subscribing. Shelby is also the author of the new book, Will to Wild. I just finished reading it and I am so excited to talk to her about this. Shelby's been telling stories as a journalist since age 15. She's covered adventure and outdoor sports stories all over the world for publications like Outside Magazine, ESPN, and CNN, just to name a few. Shelby listened to the voice inside that called her to adventure when she decided to quit her job and pursue her passion for adventure and for sharing stories her way. Her book starts off with a question, are you going to go? And she clearly answered yes. And now she's here to tell us the story. Shelby, welcome to the campfire. Scott, you're a joy and your intro is so pro. And I would really like to see that bio you wrote about me for myself. I love it so much. I am. This is going to be so much fun. I like couldn't put your book down. I read it over the Christmas holiday and uh, there's just so many things that I feel like we have in common and I just can't wait to talk about. So I wonder for like for listeners and just for context, if we could just kind of start a little bit to sort of a brief synopsis of the story that I whizzed through in the intro, you know, quitting your job and going after adventure full time. Could you just kind of take us through that? So I'm just going to talk about this line. Are you going to go? Yeah. So you got to say a little bit of Hawaiian pigeon because the guy who said it to me, we were sitting in the water in Indonesia in the middle of the ocean at a remote surf break. I had never surfed waves like this in my life. We were the only ones out. Everybody else had gone in for lunch and this giant wave of water started coming to me and he looked at me and he's like, are you going to go? And he asked in a way that was like, if you don't go, you're going to be sorry. And I had never surfed waves like that in my life. I had just quit my job and talked myself on this surf trip with some of the best watermen in the world who were about to stand up paddle these remote waves off of Indonesia. I took a surfboard with me. It was way too small. I borrowed another board that was bigger. And I had to make a choice. And that's a choice that I had to continue to keep making in life. Are you going to go to do this thing that seems really scary on paper? but you do it anyway in life. And it ends up leading to so much more. My story takes place, I mean, you probably should just read the book, but um, (laughs) it's a long story. It was a very similar time as now. I was, this was 2009, it was the height of the recession. People were losing their jobs left and right. And I had this dream job at Vans and I love Vans. I love the people I worked for. I love my boss, I love my friends. But I had wanted to be a writer. And at the time, I was doing marketing and sales. And it was awesome. But I didn't really see a future for myself there. And I didn't like the commute. You could not work from home. So today, 
don't quit your job if you don't have to. Like you can work from home, you can do a side hustle. There's a lot of ways to adventure. But at the time, I didn't have another option. I had to make this choice that made no sense on paper. Quit a job and go pursue adventure journalism full time. I had studied journalism in college. I went to Emory. I played soccer and ran track and got to intern at CNN, worked for a newspaper in South Africa. And during my summers home, I taught surfing and had this adventure sports column in the local newspapers that are free that most people throw away today. But back then they were pretty cool. They're still cool today. Yeah, I was lucky. And I kind of just wanted to keep chasing that, that job I had at 19, which was to write about people who did adventures and took the path less traveled. One that not that wasn't conventional, that our parents didn't tell us was the path to take necessarily. And they did it anyway, and they had joy, and they felt alive. And yeah, so it was a similar time to now. And eventually, I had been really depressed. I was really stuck. So if you're listening, and you feel stuck, and you don't know what to do, I was there. Like, I didn't know what to do. I developed depression. Mental health illness runs deep in my family, and it really scared me. I had to make a choice to drop in on my own life, get help, quit my job, and pursue this thing was that's like dropping into a wave. Like it was a complete unknown. When you drop into a really big wave, this is what will happen. You either fall, <laughs> you ride it for a little bit, and then you fall. You hit your head with your surfboard. You break your board. You get injured. Or you catch the ride of your life. Or maybe it's something in between. You ride it for a little bit. You do a cool move, and you kick out. But like going is so much better than staying on the boat or the only thing that you're going to get for sure is seasick or sunburn. And I didn't want to be like seasick and sunburn in my life. I just wanted to get out of the sand and out of the boat. And I wanted to drop in on my life. And so what I did was I ended up accidentally pursuing this full time, this idea of chasing the will to wild. And so I had done this before. I had done it first as a journalist. Then I started this podcast called Wild Ideas Worth Living, where mm -hmm. I interviewed people who did this full time. I sold it to REI. I still host the show. It's every week. You can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And then I decided I need to write a book about it because there's so many adventure books out there that talk about the glory of adventure, but they don't talk about like how to go pursue an adventure. Yeah. What happens to your mind when you're scared to pursue an adventure? What happens when you get to the finish line? Or what happens when every single thing goes wrong, which happens on any good adventure, like something will go wrong. And it's just how you continue to deal with it and get back up and keep going. And so during the pandemic, like many people, I was like, okay, fine. I now have the time to write this book that I've been dreaming about writing since I was 16 years old. I'd always wanted to write a memoir, but I felt completely narcissistic at the time. <laughs> I'm only 43. I didn't feel like I'd done anything that cool. But I'd done a few really cool things and I'd interviewed enough people over my life that I wanted to create sort of this philosophy adventure book. I'm a little ADD, so I wanted to make it easy to read. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't want to read the whole thing, I wanted these like little tips of advice at the end of each chapter so you could just read that and pursue your idea. So yeah, my story is like, it kind of goes back before when I was a little girl, I found surfing. Um, my father had died suddenly of a heart attack when I was almost 12. My mom sent me to surf camp and I had all these good looking guy instructors. They were great. I love them. And then I had this female instructor who happened to speak fluent French and Spanish. 
and taught SAT courses. And so my mom's like, oh, she's wonderful. She can babysit you. And she had like wild parties at my house and she was so awesome and so fun. And she would like insult the guys who hit on her, but was like super fun and had lots of boyfriends. And she was so cool. And I just worshiped her. Her name is Izzy Tihani. She ended up starting this thing called the Surf Diva Surf School, which was the first all-woman surf school in the world. And at 16, I ended up being her surf instructor. I wasn't even that good of a surfer, but I could like help women with the psychology of getting out of their head and learning to ride a wave. And I could push them into waves, which was kind of what surf instructing was in 1996. It's changed now. But back then, no one was, not a lot of people were teaching people to surf. It was like nobody wanted to teach people to surf. So in helping women get over their own fears, I got over mine. But I noticed something really interesting. Women would come for just a weekend or a week-long surf clinic. And they'd learn to ride just a few waves at La Jolla Shores in San Diego, or maybe we were teaching in Canada or Costa Rica. And then within like four weeks, I'd get a call from at least one of them. And they'd be like, Shelby, I quit my job. <laughs> or, or they like were divorcing their partner that they needed a divorce, or they were getting out of a really bad relationship that they needed to end, or they were like starting a business or moving across the country often to a place with a better beach and their life would never be the same again. And they would continue to make these changes. And I was like, God, these people like go to therapy, they take drugs. There's all these things you can do, but maybe someone just needs a little adventure to develop the courage that they can then take with them to the rest of their life and do the thing that they're meant to do. And maybe adventure is the drug that helps catapult you to the next level. And so I've been studying it. And like this book talks about a little bit of the science of it, there's not too much science because there's so many books on science. And like, I just wanted real life examples that showed a myriad of people who did adventures big and small and changed their life. It is a memoir, but it is also a how-to book, yes. as you said. I mean, it, it's a it's a how-to adventure, how to get outside your comfort zone and go do this. Like, I'm curious for you, like the inspiration for adventure and like some of your first adventures, was surfing your sort of entry point into adventure? because I'm kind of a want like I don't surf, I want to, <laughs> but it just seems like such a natural, you know, I think that story that you said about people calling you and say, yeah, I'm quitting my job. I want to come out. I want to surf. Like you just hear that. Like surfing's like, there's no sport like surfing. And I was lucky. I grew up on the beach in San Diego. Yeah. No one in my family surfed. They still don't surf. Actually, I've gotten my niece and nephews to surf. And it is like so joyful because my dad didn't even like the sand. Like he thought it was gross. He was from New York. He was from Brooklyn. So surfing is like one of these activities that is in nature. It's super fun. It's social. It can be. It's also very solo. No wave is the same. And you have all these chances to interact with nature in the most magnificent way. And you fail a lot. It's kind of like rock climbing. You, you fail and you fall a lot. Luckily, you're usually attached to ropes and there's not a lot of consequences unless you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing or bouldering or whatever. But failing a lot is really good for people. Like We're so afraid to fail. And when we do it, and, and kids fail all the time. They get up, they fall, they get up, they fall, they just keep going and they don't care. And I think as adults, we forget how to do that. So sports that are in nature sort of let us fail again in a way that's very playful. And then we can take that lesson to the rest of our life and fail in a more playful way. Because let's face it, 2024, everybody's taking themselves and their life way too serious. And it is serious right now. There's a lot of things going on in the world. There's wars. There's like 
a lot of income inequality. It's like a terrifying time. But all we can do is what we can do in front of our lives. And if we can have more play and more joy and more love, we'll be happier. The world will be better. Yeah. So I want to come back to, um, are you going to go? Are you going to go? Are you going to go? I wonder if we could kind of slow things way down and go inside. I want to ask you a deep question. Like, are you going to go when you get to that moment where it's like, you're either going to go or you're not. What does that feel like? I'm like, no, I don't want to go. I'm neurotic. I'm like, my, <laughs> my mind is screaming. No, don't go. You're an idiot. Like, this is a bad decision. You're going to die. And then there's this like moment where you're like, God, maybe or maybe not. And you just decide like, I'm not going to listen to that voice anymore. And you tell it to shut up and you make a decision, your will to wild and say, what if it works out? Instead of what if it doesn't, you ask yourself, what if I do have success? What will that look like? Or what if I just try and enjoy the trying, which is really hard for me. I like to get to finish lines. Yeah. I don't like like just the whole journey part, which is what this book is about. I mean, we write the things that are the hardest for ourselves, right? These are the lessons I needed to learn. So yeah, going is, it's a decision and a lot of things run through my head. But often when I know I made the right decision and I go, there's a little moment of silence. And I know I got it because I've made the decision to go. And that itself is success. If I fall after that or fail, it doesn't matter. Starting is the part that's the most important. Wow. It's that little moment of silence where you know you succeeded. It's the going. Like, yeah, go on a hike. You may get lost. Your kid may go with you and may want to cry and turn around at the very start of the trailhead. But getting to the trail and getting out of your house in the car and packing a backpack, that's the success. And I think we forget that. It's going. Going is the success. You know, what happens after that, it kind of doesn't matter. Because you're off the beach, you're out of the sand, you're off the boat. Hey everyone, it's Scott here. This podcast is a passion project for me because I absolutely love adventure. And it's thanks to the effort of my residential real estate team here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that many of you know as the W Realty Group, that this podcast gets funded. This awesome group of people have unmatched levels of competence and caring for our clients. If you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a home, our team serves the Charlotte, North Carolina market, but we can also help you find an agent anywhere throughout the US or Canada through our highly connected network. When you support our real estate business, you are also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for your referrals. Yeah. Is, is it the same when you're quitting your job as when you're deciding to take a wave? That's a little different. Oh, no. <laughs> you still need courage. And a lot of people are like, Shelby, I want to quit my job. And I would get phone calls all the time from people. Every time someone wants to quit their job, they call me. It doesn't <laughs> happen as often. And I'm not really a fan of people quitting their job anymore unless they're yeah. really miserable because today's economy is challenging unless you have something lined up and you need to make more money today than you did when I was 29 years old in 2009. It's just more expensive. But if you know you want to do this thing and you're not doing it because you're so scared, 
and your fear is keeping you from being happy, then you have to just answer that what if. Um, so it's a little different, I'd say, but I'd say quitting your job takes a lot more silence than just a little bit on a wave. But I think those moments in the water, in the waves, added up over and over and over again, give you the courage to do the things on land that you need to do, to have those difficult conversations with people you love, to decide to quit your job, to maybe take up a new habit or ditch a habit that's not serving you. And it's really interesting. Like I taught, my mom's a therapist. I talked to a lot of people about their psychology and people try all things, all sorts of things to change their life and to build courage. But I really believe to build courage, going out and doing an adventure in nature is the best way because there's the courage you get from doing an adventure, something that scares you. And then there's the nature part. And in nature, we know our immune system is boosted. Our nervous system calms down. We're able to make better decisions. We relax. We get into flow. And so when you combine adventure with the effects of nature, it's, it's almost like the synergistic effect. And you're just able to really make a transformation, big or small. And this book has like a tent and like, who knows where this place is? This is not me and my tent on the cover of this book. I will never go sleep in a tent in this freezing of cold conditions, likely. <laughs> you do not have to climb Mount Everest to go on an adventure. You do not have to sleep outside in a tent in the middle of a cold place. All you have to do is do something outside in nature that gets you a little out of your comfort zone and make that decision. Maybe it's just the decision to watch the sunrise five times a week or go watch the sunset. That's all. Can you bring that together for me? The title of your book is Will to Wild, but what is the Will to Wild? It's kind of whatever you make of it. You know, I kind of wanted listeners to take that idea and run with it themselves, but the will is the decision to have a relationship with the wild, which is mother nature. And that relationship can look many different ways. And I include a vast number of ways in the podcast from first outdoor drag queen to a former Holocaust survivor to Alex Honnold who free soloed El Capitan yeah. to some twins who paddled on paddle boards with just their hands. They're like oversized surfboards from Alaska to Mexico. It took them months to guys who biked the same route. And I think adventure is adventurous if it's adventurous to you. And that's, that's my definition of adventure. It's adventurous if it's adventurous to you. Yeah. Um, when I did this book, the person who bought the book and agreed to be my editor was fired. <laughs> and I had a new editor and she was like, I want you to organize your book in terms of length of adventure and type of adventure. And I was like, no, like someone's hike up a hill is another's hike up this giant mountain. Yeah. And we're all different. It's a spectrum. I love that you called it a decision because it kind of ties back to that moment of silence that you talked about. Shelby, another podcast guest that I've had, uh, great man, Jesse Gross, said to me that, and I don't know if this is his or somebody else's, but he said, the thing that we're inspired to lead is often the thing that we need. And when I talked to you a couple of days ago, you said that you wrote this book to help people get unstuck. Yeah, I've, I've felt stuck a lot. I was curious if writing this book helped you get unstuck. I think writing this book was like, 
a long dream that I wanted to do. I've wanted to write a book since I was like 12. And I might be late because now AI can write your book for you. But I was like three months before AI and chat GBT came out, I wrote this book came out on shelves. And so I feel really grateful that I scratched that itch. And I do feel less stuck. I feel like I can write anything. But there's times in my life where I feel stuck again and again. I don't think we like solve all the problems with one thing. I think I get scared a lot about a lot of things. I'm like naturally wired to be a little scared and fearful, which is why I continue to do things that take me out of my comfort zone just a little bit. And that's changed. Like I'm 43 now. I do things way differently than I did at 29. I'm much less reckless. When I was 29, I paddled a portion of the Amazon River. I went to Indonesia with all these guys. I would hitchhike. I would do like things I probably wouldn't do today. But now I do things differently and I take bigger risks in business. I'm Maybe I'm not going to like hitchhike as much as I used to <laughs> at a younger age. Yeah. Well, you talked about that. That was something else we covered the other day um, was fear. I think you said something along the lines of, I am a little chicken. I'm a total chicken about things. Like many things scare me. I mean, I, but I purposely try to do things that do scare me. Like growing up, this sounds really weird, but I didn't like math. And I got out of going to a really good four-year university with taking zero math. I went to Emory University and I didn't need it for most of my life. However, when I've gotten into negotiations that are fast and I got to do percentages, my uh, partner, he's also in real estate like you, he like laughs at me. He's like, no, you're wrong. Like that is not X percent of that. And like you just messed up and cost yourself some money. And that sucks. So I signed up for a math class and I hate math. And like there's word problems and they're awful. And like it feels really good to do the thing that scares you because then you get this confidence and courage. And then you're like, well, dude, if I could do math now I can like go do the worm on the dance floor or talk to that person that used to intimidate me now I can go surf that wave like I think it all applies and I grew up in a family where I was the fourth kid so there was two girls that were born and then a son and he passed away at three months of sudden mm -hmm. infant death syndrome and my mom was like really scared at all times that I would die too and so you know we talked about this recently she's like you grew up in a lot of fear but yet I'm really brave and I'll go try these things. And so I think we constantly try to work through fear. And all of us are a little scared, but I think what's important is we do the thing that we're scared to do, scared anyway, and that's okay. How does it show up? How does fear show up for you? And then, and how do you advise people to push through it? You, you said, you know, you're brave, but you've got the fear. Like, what is that? How does that show up for you? Well, if I'm totally transparent, if I'm really scared and annoyed, I can be a little bitchy. <laughs> and that's how sometimes I don't realize I'm scared. But if I get like really caught up in a cause that like I probably don't need to be caught up in or, or I just get too caught up in something, sometimes there's fear behind it. Like if you look at our world right now, there's a lot of people that are like really caught up in causes that are like not directly affecting them. Yeah, it's awful what's happening. But like when people get really passionate about causes and angry and mad and they're scared about something else that's affecting them. And so I just have to stop and pause and ask myself, like, what am I really afraid of? Like, why am I being a little bit of a jerk when I don't need to be? And I, I try not to be a jerk, like, but I, I can notice if I'm like a little short tempered or easily annoyed or 
I'm getting irritated, like waiting online at customer service of like the healthcare insurance agency or AT&T or whatever. If I'm getting annoyed easily, I have to ask myself, what am I scared of? Like maybe I'm just busy, but often there's some fear about something. So how to push through it? I usually have to meditate and calm myself down and take some breaths. And I think breathing is a big part of adventure and something mm. I've learned through adventure. But it always helps me to go outside and get perspective. There's something really viscerally, visual, visually stimulating. All of our senses are involved when we change our perspective by getting outside. Yeah. So I tell anybody, if you're really stuck or you're scared, like go into the ocean, in the middle of the ocean and look around, go to the top of a mountain, look out at a horizon or go somewhere where it's dark and you can see stars. Because I think we get caught up in our own heads and we feel really overimportant about our lives and everything. But when you stop and you're outside and you look up at the stars and you experience awe, you can't help but realize how small and insignificant you are in this greater universe and how much connected we are to each other. Like we're not these like alone people in our own little heads. Like all of us are going through the same thing. And when you think about the fact that there's a star that was like millions of years away and the science of it all, you're like, okay, this thing that's bugging me waiting on hold for customer service on AT&T is really insignificant and I need to chill the heck out. I think the outdoors does that faster for me than any magic potion. I feel like you're, you're talking about some of the seeds of awe right now. And I like, let's just go there because when I was reading your book, like, I think awe is in this is in that chapter heading. It's like awe flow. And there's a number of things that resonated for me. But then I got to page 71. And you quoted my favorite definition of awe, which is a reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And I've said that over and over again on this podcast with my guests, because it's my absolute favorite. And I just love that combination of the reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And we're talking about fear, but I would love, obviously that definition connected with you too. And I would love to hear your perspective on that definition in particular, and just awe in general. Fear and wonder, like wonder, curiosity. I think you could be scared. But, you know, I was talking before, like, how do you get out of it? Yeah. One thing is instead of to be annoyed, like be curious. Mm. And awe makes us curious. Like, here's how awe manifests. Awe happens when you're on a walk and you see a bird swoop down and grab like a worm or a snake. Or it happens when you're sitting on your surfboard and you see a dolphin leap or a great white shark or a really cool fish or you see a cool bird or a cool tree. and like immediately it stops you in your tracks. And so if before experiencing awe, you're in a bad mood, maybe you were on hold with customer service way too long, or you were stuck in traffic, or you had a bad day at work, awe stops you in your tracks. It takes you out of your head, and it makes you realize how small you are and how connected you are to each other. And it makes you really curious. Like It stops you immediately. And it changes your perspective so fast. Like You're no longer in a bad mood. You can't be. And I don't know. There's just like no emotion that does what awe does for me as much as awe. 
I agree. Well, and it, it seems like it happens more naturally in, it's kind of a ironic statement, but like naturally in nature. I think the thing is, is like so much of our life is predictable right now. Like we all have, we all have these things, right? We all yeah. have phones and you can look at it and you could predict pretty much like what the weather's going to be like, what's it going to feel outside, like anything. But in nature, there's still room for unpredictability. Like there's still things that can surprise us. And part of human nature and like what we crave is like we crave surprise. Like it sucks. Like we don't even know really why we're here. And we don't really know what our, we don't know what our start is. We don't know what our ending is. And we don't know a lot of things. But because of technology, we're starting to know a lot. But part of the human experience is surprise and wonder. And we need it. And it keeps us humble and it keeps us engaged. Like if we knew all the answers, it wouldn't be fun. So this, that same chapter about awe, which I love, also you get into the, the idea of flow. To me, at least, like sometimes awe, I guess, can be almost a, a trigger for, for dropping into flow. I'm just curious, like for you, the connection between awe and flow, and, and then we can kind of get into your experiences with flow. Yeah. I mean, I think oftentimes when I'm in awe, I can quickly get into flow because I like forget everything else, all the crappy BS that occupies my mind. And I enter this state where I'm just in the present moment. And that's beautiful. Flow is happens a lot in nature. Like you have to go with the flow when you're surfing on a wave or you'll fall off. When you're climbing up a rock face, you know, you kind of got to be in flow or you'll also like miss a hold or fall. And same with hiking in the woods, you know, when you're around all this nature and you hear birdsong and there's trees and you've got this soft gaze watching the leaves wrestle through the trees, you often also get into a state of flow and like your mind will wander like it's meant to wander, you know, different from when you're just staring at Instagram and like scrolling and being like, ah, it's really nice. <laughs> So nature produces a lot of chances for us to get into flow. And when I'm in flow, I come up with some of my best, most creative ideas. And I come up with the answers to things that might have been hard to come up with inside four walls confined by an office. So if you're struggling with like what to do next or you're stuck, getting outside, possibly getting into flow might help you think of an answer that you never would have thought of. Like, I remember when I quit my job, I had a pro list and a con list. And like the pros for quitting my job were so they just did not add up on paper. I had to listen to my heart and my intuition and my gut. And like science doesn't answer everything. I'm a big fan of science, but mm -hmm. I think that the mystery of life is also beautiful and listening to our gut. And we have this like internal knowing that sometimes we forget about. And we get distracted with all these little things that we have in our technology, which are beautiful. Our technology is allowing us to talk and have a podcast together. But at the same time, all of us are a little too addicted to our technologies. And just out in nature, we can find these great answers as well. I have to ask a side question. Intuition, heart, and gut. What does it say? What does your gut say to you? What does your heart say to you? Like, how, does, how do you hear that? How do you experience that? Well, ignore it often, like most people. <laughs> I have to like really be silent and honest with myself. And sometimes it does take me doing a full geographic and getting out of my routine to get there. But 
my heart and my intuition, every time I've listened to it, it's pretty much led me down the right path. Yeah. Every time I've ignored it, I've, I've run into some walls. And I talk about in the book, these things called trail signs. Yes. Trail signs will point you to where you need to go or, you know, they'll tell you not to go off of a cliff. And I think in life, we have our own trail signs that if we listen to, they'll lead us down this path. That's like exciting. It has cool views and like, you know, zigs and zag, but, but ends up in an epic vista. And when we go the wrong way, we just keep hitting these walls. You know, it's okay. Like to find the right way, sometimes we have to go the wrong way. But when I don't listen to my gut, I hit a lot of walls. Is it, is it a feeling that you experience? Yeah, it's a feeling and like things just, workout. I'll I'll tell you like the, the best time I experienced flow and listened to my gut was when I started Wild Ideas Worth Living. I wrote a business plan and I was like, I'm gonna launch this podcast. It makes kind of not a lot of sense on paper, but no one's doing it. No one's reaching men and women talking about action sports and outdoor sports. There's nothing like it in 2016. And the minute I started it, I was so invested, so excited, people signed on to help. And like, there's plenty of things I've tried in life, sales jobs, pitches that like I would pitch people and they're like, yeah, nice Shelby, but I'm not interested. But people were genuinely interested. And sure, I got some rejections along the way, but I just, I felt good. I like lit up. I would say like the feeling of like, I felt like I was meant to be doing exactly what I was doing. I was excited to get out of bed and go for it. It's like a feeling of aliveness. Yeah, I just felt alive. Exactly. Kind of like surfing on a wave. Like you can't help but feel alive knowing that you could fall off. And that feeling fuels that heart, gut, intuition. Yep. Self-awareness is something that I'm 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 super uh, intrigued about and I'm curious like for you how self-awareness has shown up in your journey and and specifically one of the things that you mentioned in your book was taking like a personality test that helps you kind of see some things about yourself that you hadn't seen before and how that helped you along the way. Just curious how self-awareness has helped you along the way. I'm a somewhat self-aware person. I don't think I'm like excellent at it or really terrible at it. I remember when I used to play soccer at Emory, one of the girls was like, went up to me and she's like, Shelby, dude, pass the ball. Yeah, it's radical. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'll pass the ball to you. And then everybody else started cracking up and they're just making fun of my jargon. Being a Southern California girl in Georgia. And uh, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I think self-awareness is 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 really important. And you have to be self-aware when you're surfing or hiking or rock climbing or doing any activity outside yeah. just for your own safety. But yeah, I think what you're referring to is I took a test called uh, Strengths Finders Test. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was trying all sorts of things. And I just took this test that would show me what I was good at so that I could identify what I was good at, but also what people would pay me to do. I love surfing, but I'm not very good at it. No one's going to pay me to do it. And that would be great for a job, but it's not something that someone's going to pay me to do. But podcasting, I was like, huh, I'm like good at marketing. I'm loquacious. I am an activator. I'm a good connector. I get people excited about stuff, maybe like this could combine everything I'm good at. And like the signs really pointed me to keep pursuing podcasting. I'm curious because that's like an external test, right? And it's like, you know, I like to think that we we already kind of know these things about ourselves, but sometimes we have to take these like 
external tests. To it's a this validator. Partner. Yeah. So what was that like? It's exactly a validator, but it's like maybe didn't come to your like conscious awareness until this test told you that. But like, what was that experience like for you? Well, like I come from a family of overachievers and I come from a family where there's a lot of awards, <laughs> a lot of achievements, a lot of articles in the newspaper. And so having something on paper that told me what I already knew was really nice. And not everybody needs that. Like some people don't need that. Some people are just like, I know, and I don't need anything else. And to those people, I salute you. I'm not one of those people. I like to have a little bit more approval. I'm a little scared and I'm working on it. You know, I'm a work in progress. I, I would like to not need pro approval from other people or things, but it was just nice to see like, hey, these are skills I have. I could take these to the workforce and try to monetize them and have fun doing it and help other people along the way. And I'm not taking advantage of anybody or like there's some shady job. There's a lot of ways to make money and there's a lot of ways that are shady to make money. And this felt really genuine, authentic. And when you do something that feels authentic to you, it's very easy to get into flow. And, you know, there's this saying like, do what you love and the money will flow. And no, that's not always true. Like, I don't believe it. People used to tell me that all the time. And I used to tell people that all the time. And like, that's not true. I would be a pro surfer if that was true. But I think you can find something that you love doing and you'll just keep doing it. And then if you keep doing it, you'll get good at it. And then that often leads to making some sort of money. You know, yeah. depends what you do. Effort doesn't always equal reward in our society, but effort equals some kind of reward. What have you learned about yourself through this whole life's journey? <laughs> Everything. I've learned that there is a lot of courage to be had and to built and to be harvested by going on these little adventures. And that the more courage you have by doing adventures, the more courage you can have to take to the rest of your life. And I also learned that like I'm learning more as I'm older that like giving is a really important part of being adventurous mm, yeah. and it feels really good. And we live in kind of like a selfish time and giving just feels much better than getting. And that's kind of something I'm trying to incorporate more into my life and my work. And this book was kind of like a gift. Like you don't really make money off of a book. And it was like, I just want to share everything I've learned and help people who feel stuck and scared and alone. And I like want them to go do the thing that makes them feel alive. So I love that you just said that about giving. Cause one of the next questions we were going to talk about, you are clearly an adventurer. You love to get out and, and experience adventure yourself, but you're also somebody that loves to study other adventurers, talk to other adventurers and share these stories. And I have to believe like your desire to be an adventurer, but also to learn from others and then share all these stories that it kind of all works together. I like people like some people just love dogs. I like dogs, but like, I love people. I'm not going to have a pet person, but like, I love talking to people. I will talk to anybody at the coffee shop on a walk. Like I'm genuinely interested in people, how they do what they do, why they do it, what makes them tick. Yeah. I just, I like people that that's kind of it. So in that spirit of giving, what is it about sharing other people's stories that lights you up? Well, I don't think other people are really good at telling their stories. And mm. like somehow I can just tell other people's stories really well. That was like a weird talent I have. And I want other people to hear other people's stories because that's how I learn. Like learning from someone else and how they did it is how I've always learned. And I think as humans, like it's the oldest form of how we learn storytelling. I love helping other people share 
how they got from point A to B, you know, by following this path that maybe wasn't super traditional. Well, in that sharing and in that giving, we find out, like you already alluded to it, it feels really good. Do you have any, can you think of any stories of, of listeners or people that have read your book that have kind of reached back out to you and, you know, given you kind of that validation of how you've inspired them? I get like a DM every day from someone who's like, I read your book or my daughter shared your book or something. And it's, it's really validating and really cool. It's crazy because I haven't sold that many books. So I don't know. I feel like every single person who's read my book messages me. So the people that it resonates with, it really resonates with, which is really beautiful. And then every now and then I have someone who's like, I quit my job. And I'm like, oh no. And that's cool too. If that's what they're meant to do. I just don't want to take any responsibility for (laughs) aftermath of that. On the flip side, how about some, some uh, guests that you've had on your show that have specifically like moved you to take certain actions? Yesterday, um, the show hasn't come out, won't come out for a while, but I interviewed Lael Wilcox. She's this incredible cyclist who's going to bike around the world and break the record. Cool. And her and Courtney Dewalter, who's a famous ultra runner, very similar. They're motivated, they're females that are motivated by joy to push themselves and see how far they can push their body. And it's like mind blowing to me because a lot of adventurers I interview are like a little busted and they're like running from some problem. And that's why they're like climbing Everest. You know, there's a lot of that and that's okay. That's fine. If that's how you do therapy, that's fine. But these girls are just purely motivated to like see what's around the bend and how fast they can go and like keep going without like, you know, without breaking. And they're just so excited. And they want to motivate other little girls to do that. And no one looked like them when they were trying. And that's really inspiring. Like I want to try a bike packing adventure. I've I don't, I haven't gotten a bike and I don't have a backpack for biking, but you know, my neighbor did it the other day and he had a really good time. I've been inspired to go outside and sleep in a tent, which isn't something I normally would do, but it's nice. really fun nice. even for a night. It's super easy. Oh, guests inspire me to do all sorts of things. Rock climb. I started doing this thing. I, I injured myself. I was really inspired to try an ultra marathon or a marathon, but I am not able to run right now. And so I started doing this thing in the pool where I do breath holding safely under supervision of someone watching me. And it's very extreme and very calming. It's called Deep End Fitness and it's in San Diego. And it was probably started, I think the story is that it was started to help people get ready for like Navy SEAL training and then got adopted by CrossFitters and regular people. And I'm not like really into CrossFit, but I think the concept of all of it is really cool. And it's just this, It's basically this workout that I absolutely suck at. And I have a friend, Karen Rinaldi, who wrote a book called It's Great to Suck at Something. Nice. (laughs) And it is really great to do something that you're absolutely terrible at because it's fun. You have no expectations for yourself. And like I said, you build courage, you build resilience, and you improve really fast too. Like if you're really bad, what's really fun is like every day I improve so much because I'm so bad. I love that. I think I saw some posts on your Instagram of you in the pool. That was pretty cool. Very visually like exciting because you're underwater in a pool and you're holding weights and you're running with them. And it looks like really badass, even though like I'm not super badass. There's people in the class that are way more badass than me. They're like, there's chicks that are like division one college swimmers, 
there's girls that are like borderline Navy SEAL elite. Like, you know, there's not any female Navy SEALs yet that I know of, but there's some girls that are pretty close. You're pretty badass, Shelby. Oh, you're sweet. I'm not. I just look like that on TV. I usually, as we kind of wrap up, ask everybody on the show for some advice for listeners that are inspired by your story. Here's the thing with your story. Listeners need to get a copy of your book, Will to Wild. Oh, thank you. Because if they want to know how to do adventure, that book is a how-to book on how to do it. So that's where the advice comes from. But could we give uh, listeners just a little teaser, maybe one little nugget of wisdom that you'd like to share with people that are inspired by your story? Just do the thing. Like take one step, do the, I, I call it eat the frog. Do the thing that scares you the most and that's the hardest first. And just start. Starting is the hardest part and start scared. Like start not totally prepared. Just take one step to start. Maybe that's booking a plane ticket. Maybe it's booking a trip. You know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be a supper fest. Like if you're wondering about, you have a wild idea, maybe you want to go on a, a little adventure, it really helps to have skin in the game. So put it on the calendar, put a deposit down on a trip, just book something. Then you have to show up. You're not going to back out. That's a big deal. Putting the deposit down, like that's a decision right there. Yeah. And invest in yourself. It's like the best investment you'll ever make. Like the money thing scares a lot of people. Yeah. But like investing in adventure is really not as expensive as like investing in a Louis Vuitton bag. So like go invest in an experience because it'll pay back in dividends. Yeah. Shelby, uh, you've got a lot going on. You've got the book, you've got the podcast, you've got other things in the works. Like, could you share with listeners what's the best way for people to find out more about you, get a copy of your book, hear your podcast? You can actually get the, the audio book, I think, for free if you do a Kindle trial. And okay. I read it, which is fun. You get the book, Will the Wild, on Amazon or pretty much anywhere books are sold. The podcast that I host for REI is called Wild Ideas Worth Living. I have a website, shelbystanger.com. And I'm going to start taking on consulting clients. I haven't in the past, but if you're feeling stuck and you just want to book like 20 minutes with me or an hour, I'm going to offer, hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll be up. If not, just message me and say, how can I do this? It doesn't make sense on your website. That's fine. I'll get it together. But I have enough people asking me and I just want to help people. So for right now, I don't know if I'm going to do this forever. I'm going to take consulting clients and we'll see how long this goes. <laughs> so shelbystanger.com is the best way. And I'm on Instagram, Shelby Stanger. I'm really not on Twitter or anything else. It's a gift to the world, what you do. Thank you, Scott. And thanks for having me. You're great. Here's something really important because at some point, like this epic life that you've lived, starting with being, a, you know, writing your first article as a journalist at 15 to this whole experience of working at Vans and quitting your job and then starting the podcast and the book, Hollywood is going to make a movie about your life. And I want to know when they do, who's going to be the Hollywood actress that's going to play you in this movie? So these people are too old probably to play me right now, but um, I get confused a lot with like people, people who are older, like you look like the girl from Indiana Jones. Her name oh. is Karen Allen. <laughs> yeah, Karen Allen. Or I'll get like, if I'm really skinny, people will ask me if, I, if I'm if i Sheryl Crow. And I'm like, okay. But what would be really cool is if like some hot chick, like good Goodell, Godot, or- Oh that, man, that Wonder Woman. Or someone really funny. I'm not like them at all, but like it would be my dream if like Kristen Wiig or, oh, um, you know, one of the girls from SNL played me. But- Probably someone like Sandra Bullock, who's like, you know, tough, badass. 
I mean, voice. I don't this know. is going to be a tough casting decision where they're going to have to all come in and, and, uh, and audition for this thing. It's going to be epic. What's it going to be called? It's going to be called dropping in. It's going to be a surfing movie. I don't know. We'll see. Dropping um, in. I think that you make people feel really good, Scott. I think it's a little <laughs> bit of a pie in the sky, but in the meantime, I'm really just enjoying the ride. It's going to be so good. Shelby, seriously, thank you so much for spending time with me today. For those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope Shelby's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or just need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thanks for listening. Shelby, you're the best. Thanks for being here. Oh, you're awesome, Scott. That was so good. <laughs>